49er fans and welcome to the latest edition of the 49ers Paradise Podcast Show. Thank you all once again for tuning in. This week's show is unsponsored. If you're interested in sponsoring a 49ers Paradise Podcast Show, drop me a line at brian at 49ersparadise.cjb.net. Of course, you can always call into the show and have your take. You can do so very easily by clicking the phone link in the top right-hand corner of the main page of 49ers Paradise. There are local calling numbers from throughout the United States and the rest of the world. Of course, you can always comment on a podcast show. Simply log on to the 49ers forum and post your thoughts on the latest podcast show in the podcast thread in the Blitz section that's created with each show. This week, we are very fortunate to have our second special guest in a row, also heralding from the now infamous site, Hooked on the Niners. That's hookedontheniners.com. Uh, been a very strong proponent of their site since uh, it came to being, and they've been uh, great to establish a relationship with. So this week we have Mitch Jurisic on the line, and uh, I apologize for continuing to butcher his name, but I think that's uh, probably about as close as I'm going to get. And uh, Mitch, of course, is a Bay Area reporter, born and bred, a huge 49er fan, and, of course, one of the stars at HookedOnTheNiners.com. Of course, this week's show, special tribute out to that site, and I encourage everybody to check out their uh, video program, their television program, which gets put on on their site, uh, usually Thursday or Friday. Um, Definitely worth the watch for those of you who are not able to catch the show in, well, live TV, so to speak, and uh, on your television set. So definitely check it out, hookedontheniners.com. And uh, without further ado, I bring you the Mitch and Brian Show. I do appreciate you coming on the show. I know uh, you've put in a lot of time with Hooked on the Niners and Hooked on Golf, and uh, love to have just uh, your general thoughts on what it's like to, to come up with a TV show on the 49ers, or, or for that matter, a golf show. Well, you know, it, it is kind of interesting. Uh, I always like to say uh, uh, I've been playing golf for 50 years. I've, I've been going to 49er games for about 53 years. So I, I was hooked on the Niners before I was hooked on golf. But the, uh, the, uh, the, the golf show actually was a derivative out of a, a TV show I used to do in San Jose, uh, of which I was a part from 1982 to 91. Uh, it, it, it started out as a general sports talk show, but it morphed itself uh, – from 83 to 91 into a 49er highlight show. And it was at that time that the host of that show started getting interested in golf. And I, I told him, I said, you know, I think there's an idea for a golf show out there. And we kind of put a pilot together and whatnot. And every, every place I went, um, you know, people said, oh, golf doesn't get ratings. So this one kid that was an associate producer on the 49er highlight show that was helping me put the, um, put the uh, pilot together, um, he was interested in the project, and, and, you know, it kind of died on the vine. And about five years later, we had gone and pitched it to, to several companies, that you know, television companies that went broke or got bought out. So about five years went by, and he called me up, and he said, hey, do you remember me? And I said, sure. And he goes, well, you know that, uh, that uh, TV show you wanted to do? And I said, yeah. And he goes, it's on the air. 
And I said, what do you mean it's on the air? And he goes, I have a spot for it. He goes, I'm the new senior vice president of programming for Sports Channel in New York, and we need some programming. And, and so, you know, one thing led to another. And then I, I, I met, uh, you know, the guy that's my, my business partner with that, that side of things, uh, John Abendroth. Um, and we just we, we got going in, uh, in uh, I guess it was about 1993 or four. And we've been on the air ever since. So we, we kind of, uh, you know, built the plane while we were in the air. And from that, we also started a radio show to complement that on KMDR 680, the sports leader. Haven't I said that a few times in my life? Um, <laughs> up in so, San Francisco. And then a, a website to support that. And as, as far as the Hooked on the Niners goes, you know, after having uh, been out of uh, uh, a television on the Niners side of things for a number of years, uh, I ran into Bob Marks uh, from Peninsula TV, who's our partner on the show. Uh, he had invited my partner, John, John Abendroth, and I to come on and uh, talk about golf, and we did. And we did that a couple of years in a row and got to know Bob. And I said, geez, you know, I've, I've always wanted to kind of get back into the Niner show, and I kind of miss it. You know, I don't want to necessarily go to the games and cover them anymore because it's a lot easier to sit home with a clicker and a libation. And... Um, and, and so, you know, we just, one day we just kind of said, hey, why don't we do this? And we, you know, started drawing some stuff up, and, and I got uh, my pal Mark Naismith involved. We went to high school together, and, uh, and uh, Jerry Walker, I, I knew Jerry because he was the PR director of the Niners when I was covering them. And all three are just delightful guys. <clears throat> and the whole premise to the show is, it, it's kind of like, you know, the old Seinfeld, it's a show about nothing. Absolutely. This, 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 this is a show with no highlights. It's four guys that just love the team from different angles. And, yes, we have complaints, but the bottom line is we want that team to win because that's our entertainment on Sunday. We just <laughs> love them. And, and you know, we, yes, we, we do use words like we and they, and which, you know, journalists shouldn't do. We don't fancy ourselves journalists, although I suppose by definition we are. And, and you know what our style is. It's the we never played or coached approach. We want to just sit here and – tell you when they're great and tell you when they stink and nobody else better if you're outside the family. You know, yeah, otherwise you, you're going to catch our wrath. And, and we're, we're just trying to do something that no one else is doing, and that's just four guys sitting around. And, of course, we have a guest, thanks to Jerry, who, uh, who is still really very, very well connected. And, and that's just basically the format of the show. I mean, even if, if you listen closely when there's two minutes left in the show, uh, one of the, the camera people, uh, Christy, hollers out, Mitch, two minutes. I mean, you know, nobody in, in television does that. <laughs> and, I mean, that's, that's how informal we are. Although, I'll tell you this, if you go back and look at the show that Daryl Pollard was on, when, when Christy hollered that out, he about came out of his chair. He, I, I, Daryl had never jumped that high when he was playing cornerback. <laughs> but, but, uh, but that's basically the premise of it. And, and it is kind of neat to answer your question to, to do a TV show, although I will tell you this. After about, eh, you know, five or six weeks of seeing your mug on, on the screen, eh, you, you just don't pay attention anymore. I mean, uh, and it gets a little embarrassing when people ask me, when is your show on? And you kind of scratch your head and, and you go, I don't know. You check your local listings or go to our website. There's a good reason to go to our website because the times are there. There you go, hookedontheniners.com. Free plug, That's right? very good. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for taking the cue. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I know what it's like to sort of get the grassroots program going, and it's uh, it's a lot of work. And what you what you guys are doing is really commendable because uh, it is completely different from what else is out there. And 
being able to put it online and allowing people to watch uh, all over the world. I mean, I, I know it, the, broadca- the broadcast range on the peninsula isn't uh, huge, but being able to put it online and allow people to watch it there, uh, it's great. I, you know, it's the type of thing that, you know, when I want to watch something on the 49ers, that's what I want to watch. I don't you know, I see the game. I don't need to see the highlights. I, you know, PVR the game. I can go back and look at all the highlights I want. I want to uh, get other people's opinions. That's that's how 49ers Paradise started too. I just uh, wanted to interact with other 49er fans, and uh, the ability to do that with the guest stars and uh, a former PR director is uh, taking it to that next step. So it's a, you know it's absolutely something that we are more than happy to endorse on our site. Well, thank you very much, and, and you know, I, I don't want to make this a mutual admiration society, but, but your website is just absolutely tremendous. The, 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 the breadth of it is just, is just insurmountable, the number of things that you have on your website and the number of people that you connect with, and, and, and we're just hopeful that a lot of them will, you know, kind of cross over and, you know, come to our forum that's on our website. You know, we try to throw some topics up there, and it's, I think it's always nice to hear, especially from 49er fans. i, I just give you an example. I, I wrote a little piece that's up on the site about what I thought the top needs were for the 49ers. And, and I'm always interested in seeing what other people see. You know, somebody might think we need a kick holder. I don't know. Although I hope we don't draft one in round one. Um, <laughs> you know, a- Andy uh, Lee's going to have it out for you. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, which reminds me of a story. I, I, you know, the years that I was covering the Niners and I go to uh, – Bill Walsh's press conferences and, and uh, his, his post-game interviews, Bill was just the, I think, the absolute master of not only handling the media, but keeping his guys focused on the game and not giving the other team, you know, the old bulletin board material. I, I don't think under Bill Walsh that that ever happened. It may have, but it, it used to be that when Bill would come out and, and he'd talk about the upcoming opponent, he'd say, well, geez, this, this this set of linebackers is as good as they're in in the league, and, and I, I just don't know how we're going to get outside in this game. It just doesn't look possible. Or the next week it would be, well, this, this is probably the best receiving core. I don't know that we can cover them. You know, he would do all that stuff. And after he went through that for so many times, you know, I got the feeling that in those days when we were playing Tampa Bay and they were like uh, 2 and 10, and, and we were, you know, uh, we, we were uh, uh, 10 and 2. That, that he was going to come out and go, you know, I've been in this game for a long time. I've never seen a guy hold kicks as well as their guy does. This <laughs> just, it's, I mean, it was the only thing that was left, Ryan. I, I've <laughs> never seen a long snapper quite like that. Yes. Oh, can he snap at that ball? We're not going to block any punts this week. You know, that's all that was left for him. Or, or something like, you know, their trainers, those guys get off the bench real fast when there's an injury. <laughs> I, you know, I, it, but he was, he was the absolute master at it. Yeah, he was he was something special in every right, and I, I, I don't think I mean I know we all appreciate what he did for the team, but uh, you know, and I know the NFL and other fans appreciate what he's done for the NFL, but I don't think they really get it outside of sort of the Forty Nine er world how big his impact was and how special a guy he actually was. Uh, there, there's there's no question, and and the other thing too is the guy had an absolutely tremendous sense of humor. Uh, when I was working for the little station in San Jose and Jerry was the PR director, and, I, and I'm not talking against Jerry. Jerry's my dear, a very, very dear friend. Um, we weren't the biggest station in town, so you know a lot of the other stations that had 49er shows used to get the Joe Montanas and the Jerry Rices and the Roger Craigs and the, 
and and the you know the Wendell Tyler's and get all those interviews and and we get you know you know maybe second string guys or or you know none of the real star uh, players so so one year we kind of you know said yeah you know we need to get some of these guys so I I had an opportunity to sit down with Bill Walsh so we got the camera ready and we were told you know he only had 15 minutes or so and. So I was, you know, not nervous, but, you know, I just, I wanted this to go well, and I wanted Bill to be comfortable and, you know, maybe open up a little bit. And so I just said to him, and, of course, you know, for those that know me, I'm, you know, uh, probably a little closer to uh, closer to 300 than 200 pounds. And uh, so we were just sitting there, and, and, and I said to him, uh, uh, hey, Bill, you know, if a guy wanted to try out, for, this is before the cameras were rolling, said, uh, and they're putting the microphone on him. I said, if a guy wanted to try out for the 49ers, you know, and you have to run that 40-yard dash, he goes, yeah. And I said, do you have to do it, like, all at one time? <laughs> and he just kind of paused, and he got this wry little grin, and he looked at me, and he said, it's preferred. <laughs> he, he just had a, a, a marvelous touch. I mean, he, he was just a real, real special guy. Yeah, he absolutely was. We, we uh, unfortunately, well, before he passed, we sent out a, a card to him, a sort of a get well card that was done online from a, a whole host of fans, and he was uh, generous enough to write back and uh, to thank us all for for our support. And, uh, I mean, he was uh, a, a true gentleman from, you know, the moment he was born until the moment that, uh, unfortunately, he passed on. Yeah, ab- absolutely right. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, I don't think we'll we'll see anything like that in pro football again. That that really was Camelot. You know, uh, if I, I hope I'm not misstating this, but I think uh, the Niners went was it 17 straight years with 10 wins or more. Yeah, it, it was about that. Some yeah. it was somewhere between uh, 15 and 18. I, I don't yeah, remember was, the exact number. Yeah, which I mean, stop and think about that for just a second. Just take a breath. You know, that many years with 10 wins or more. Yeah, I, I, I think the strike-shortened season might have had a little asterisk on that, but uh, other yeah, than that... Yeah, in, in 80, uh, 80, 82. Right. The 82 season, yeah, that, 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 exactly. Yeah, that, that probably did. But, I mean, if you, if you took that out there, boy, it was a, it was a lot of wins. And, and you can imagine living around here in the Bay Area, I mean, I, I knew of liquor stores that said if, if the 49ers made the playoffs, and if you counted Christmas and the 49ers in the playoffs for a couple of weeks after Christmas and into the Super Bowl, that, like, month span was 30% of their business for the year. Oh, yeah. It just mean, it makes you feel like how many of those businesses could be around today. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, people just were having parties all over the place. I mean, it was, it was just incredible. And, and you know, the, the advent of the... Uh, of the uh, 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 VCR was right around that time. I know my wife and I went to the uh, to uh, Super Bowl 16 in Detroit, but before we left, it was it was one of the worst winters in the in the history of this country. And I was afraid, gosh, flying across country, what if we, you know, we have to land in Des Moines because the weather's so bad and we don't get to see the game. So we went out, and in those days, the VCR was like fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, now they don't even have them, but. Um, and, and we did it specifically so that we could tape that game. I mean, I was testing that VCR for like three days before we left to make sure that son of a gun was working. Absolutely. And yeah. I, think, I think that was the right move. you got to have a contingency plan. Oh, absolutely. I was a Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that this whole cloning thing takes off because it might be our only chance to get a coach like Bill Walsh back in charge of the team. 
Well, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I have a definite good feeling uh, about Mike Singletary. I really do. Uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance to see the San Diego uh, um, Indianapolis game the other night. Uh, there, was, there was a play at the end of the game with just a few seconds left, and Indy didn't have any timeouts. And, and um, um, Peyton Manning threw a pass to Marvin Harrison, and the official said that it was a first down, and they moved the change. And then they, in the booth there was a review. And to make a long story really short, they had to see if it was going to be a first down, and they had to measure. And the whole time they were measuring, uh, if it was going to be fourth down, they had to have a plan. And if it was first down, they had to have a plan. And Tony Dungy and Tom Moore, the only offensive coordinator Peyton Manning's ever had, now imagine that, <laughs> think of poor Alex Smith, were just kind of there about five yards onto the field discussing it. And I looked at Dungy, and Dungy was in control. And after the game, you know, the, the net result was that Indy won, and, and Peyton Manning was asked about that, and he said, uh, he goes, well, Tony was all over it. Tony said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. Don't leave time on the clock. We're going to get it down to where we're going to kick a field goal or they don't get a chance. You know, and I thought, I, I think Mike Singletary could be that calm and be that guy. I just don't think he has the offensive coordinator or the quarterback. I mean, we've got, from that little triumvirate I, just, I, I described, we have one of the pieces. I really do. I, I think, you know, I, I look at the way the guys played against Dallas, and, you know, there was no quit at the end of that game. You know, maybe some of us quit at home while we were watching with the clicker in our hand. But, uh, but I, I, I think the guys play for him, and I think they're, they're starting to believe what's coming out of his mouth. And, and I'd, I'd personally like to see him, you know, regardless of what we do this year, I'd like to see him get a shot with his own people in place. And maybe, just maybe, if we get a guy like Mike Holmgren to come down here, and I know Mike a little bit, uh, he went to a rival high school of mine, and, uh, you know, if he could come down and run the front office, boy, that would be – I would love to see that happen and just to see what does happen. Well, I, I think that might uh, help stem off some of the blackout rumors that, you know, have started to make their ways around uh, 49er land. I, I think Singletary also, I think uh, he, he might he, he might be the guy, um, but he needs to have his, his people in place. An offensive coordinator, like you mentioned, um, it's it's tough. The Alex Smith was dealt a really raw deal. Uh, whether oh, or not yeah. whether or not he might be somebody, might not be somebody. He he was dealt a horrible hand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if uh, I I was actually going to write a story about this. If if you could if you could put down the recipe on paper of how to ruin a a, a young quarterback, uh, the 49ers have it down pat. I mean, that's the recipe. Right yeah, it, it's almost like they should patent it and try and distribute it to the rest of the NFC West or something. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, hey, do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, I, and I, you know, I haven't actually totally given up 100% on Alex Smith. You know, I, I mean, he, he should only have been out of college, you know, like maybe last year or the year before. And, you know, if he had had two years to uh, to clipboard, as they say, and, and if we still had somebody like Jeff Garcia that was still in the fold, um, you know, th- this kid could be learning. Yeah, uh, they they were too quick to rush him onto the field, and part of that was Garcia leaving and Rattay not really materializing any, into anything. And part of it was, you know, f- you have four different offensive coordinators. So it was four or five different offensive coordinators. It, it's... It's absurd, and not just different offensive coordinators, but different offensive systems and philosophies altogether. That's like, 
it's one thing to go from a West Coast offense off of offensive coordinator to another West Coast offensive coordinator. We're talking about, you know, worlds apart in terms of how they run their offenses. Yeah, and plus, don't forget that when you have an offensive coordinator, coordinator, your next draft, you're drafting for that philosophy in mind. Yep. Now you get another offensive coordinator, and oops, maybe we shouldn't have taken this guy, we should have taken that guy, because that would fit the system better. You're absolutely right. And, you know, let, let's face it, we're going to have our fifth coordinator in five years, because I, I don't think Mike Martz is coming back. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. And, you know, what he did in St. Louis was extremely impressive. Um, outside of that, his coaching career is, you know, here neither here nor there. But the, the real difference is he had control of who he wanted to you know, bring in. Like you said, they knew who their offensive coordinator is. They know what players to draft. You can't put in a, an offensive line that's built for three-step drops and then tell your quarterback to drop back seven, you know, seven steps. It doesn't work. Right. Well, and, and let's also not forget that, you know, when Mark, Mark, you know, graduated to the head coaching job, he, he inherited a foundation that was laid by Dick Vermeil. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Dick knew what he wanted and the, the, the type of player that he wanted. And, and you know, all of a sudden, uh, Mark comes in there, and he and he's got uh, he's got Isaac Bruce and Oz Akeem and Torrey Holt and Orlando Pace at left tackle and a big offensive line, and and Marshall Falk. Yeah, I think I, mean? I could have played quarterback for that team. I, I you know probably could have. I, I haven't seen you throw a ball, but I'd, I'd bet on you. <laughs> <laughs> you know my my five foot eight height. I wouldn't have to see over the offensive lineman. The receivers are just in the right place. So yeah, there you go. Just you know they're there, so just throw it up there. Exactly. But uh, you know Dick Vermeil's name actually is a name that's been loosely circulated around for that uh, Bill Parcells, Mike Holmgren type role for this team also. Uh, yeah, I actually I actually wrote that in the story that we put on our website that if if you couldn't get Holmgren and if uh, you know if if Dick Vermeil you know at age seventy wanted to come out and uh, you know and, and have a job again for a few years uh, you know Dick is from the area right up the road in Calistoga, California, a place where I used to go on vacation and uh, uh, I, I I don't know Dick I, I met him one time but one of his best friends was a friend of mine. Uh, that I used to play golf with up there, and and Dick is just a wonderful guy, a wonderful family man, and uh, I know he cries at stoplights, but uh, uh, you know he, he he knows what he wants, and he and he's a guy that has a plan. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that we've had guests on our show that all say that that seems to be the the, the common theme with the Niners. You know, what's the plan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, where do they see this thing going? I, we had Jamie Williams on once, and. It, he even said it, it kind of carries over to the field. Uh, Jamie said that they knew, uh, you know, from practice and from Bill's philosophy, that if there was a turnover uh, in the game and they hollered offense and the offense had to get out there, depending upon where it was on the field, they knew they were going to do either of three things, you know, and I'm making this up. Right. You know, we're going to run Woody off tackle. We're going to throw a, a, a pass in the flat to Roger. We're going to take a shot deep with, uh, with JT or JR, one or the other. And, and they just knew that when they went out. So there was no, golly, what are we going to do? They just waited for Joe to say which one of those those three or four things they were going to do. I yeah. mean, the fact is they had a plan. Uh, you know, in the last couple of games, I, it, it almost seems like, you know, good gracious, how can you be down inside the five-yard line and not have a plan? Yeah, how, how do you not know what play to call? How do you call the exact same set of plays in, in two trips down to the red, red zone? Absolutely, and then and then to after a game, have the offensive coordinator admit, well, I didn't know what yard line they they were on. And I I said to myself, well, I hey, I got a news flash for you. 
if you sat up in the press box, and I've been in many of them, you got a pretty good view of where that ball is. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, if your quarterback has two plays coming into him and he can choose between them, or maybe sure. audible between them, he's got half a shot of, uh, you know, making an adjustment when he goes up there and he sees he's on the two-yard line. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. There's no question about it. Now, the other thing we talked about uh, on, on our show last night was it, it seems disturbingly like, like the plan with the Niners is to play off on the corners. And given the fact that we, we, we don't have a pass rush, and by the way, don't, if, if you're ever around Mark Naismith, one of the guys on the show, don't mention pass rush. It's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's his button. And, and it's, he's a great guy and, a, and, a, and a, a wonderful Niner fan. But we all agree on that mutually, too. But if, if you're going to play soft on the corners and you don't have a pass rush, that is the formula for a guy like Trent Edwards for those 10 to 15 to 20 yard intermediate passes to just kill you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, just, we just can't do that. See, there I go again saying we. No, I, I say care. we, too, and I, I've yeah, been I saying – yeah, yeah. There's, there's guys in the in the, uh, the media guys that I've known for 30 years that say, you know, you shouldn't use that pronoun. Why not? I've had yeah. season tickets since 1963. Do you have any idea how much money I've pumped into this team? I can say whatever the hell I want. Yeah, that's how I feel. I think once you pass that decade mark, you've earned the right to say we. <laughs> that's exactly right. There's no question. But, uh, yeah, I think if you're going to play off on the receivers, too, like you say, you need the pass rush. That's a no-brainer. But you can't let them get behind you if you're playing 10 or 15 yards off them either. You know, it's one thing to give up the 15- and 20-yard passes and then crunch down in the red zone and force a field goal. But uh, right. and you can't let them get behind you. And, my gosh, to to try and single up on Terrell Owens for almost an entire game is mind-blowing, too. Well, and then you know the other thing too is if if you're going to play off of them at some point when you get to, when they get down near your end zone, and this happened to us, and I can't remember what game it was, and I think we had uh, Dwight Hicks on, and we were talking about the game we just played, and forgive me for not knowing what game, but they actually ran a slant in the end zone where they were on about the four, and our guy was about four yards deep in the end zone, yeah. And when the guy ran the slant, he caught it six yards deep in the end zone. Now. By God, he didn't get behind us, <laughs> but he did score. Yeah, at some point you have to move up to that line of scrimmage. Absolutely, engage Absolutely. the receiver. Well, there again, we were we were spoiled with um, with people like uh, Eric Wright and uh, you know Tim McHire and Don Griffin. You know, people that were uh, uh, you know in Eric's case, uh, it truly was a shutdown corner. Yeah, um, and, and obviously a good friend of our program, good friend of mine. Uh, and just a, a, a delightful guy, but you know you get spoiled by that. Just just like you can get spoiled by Montana, you can get spoiled by the Ronnie Lots and the Eric Wrights and the, and oh, the, for the sure. Michael Michael Carters of the world. You know the, the, we've we've had a number of truly great great players come through here. And, and it's funny all this talk about defense and all this emphasis the team has put in defense. I mean, we brought in a defensive coach and Mike Nolan. We you know, our defensive staff is supposed to be, you know, top-notch. We've been drafting defense. We've been investing money in defense. And here we are, and we can't play defense. Yeah, I think I just read today we're, uh, what are we, 26th overall in defense. And uh, it sure seems like we're playing better than that. But, you know, the results don't show it. Um, I, and I don't know if it's if it's the scheme. Uh, you know, I'm not smart enough to know that. Um, yeah. 
but the one thing I, I just kind of look at it, and, and, you know, maybe you can tell me, Brian, you watch this closely. Are we playing a 4-3 or a 3-4? I, I can't get my arms around that. We're, we're playing a 7-2-2 two, two or something insane. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that too loud, but Mike Minuski might hear you. I, I think that might be what we're playing, actually, or, or maybe it's a two-two-seven some days. But <laughs> something like that. <laughs> it, it, it's it's definitely not generating a pass rush. It's definitely with our receiver or with the defensive backs playing 15 yards off the receiver, and we're lucky sure. when Manny Lawson sees the field. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and isn't it nice to see him playing well for the last uh, three or four weeks? Maybe he's about ready to emerge into that guy. I could see him. You know, being the uh, the Charles Haley elephant guy, that that would be nice to see. Yeah, he he could, and I think getting letting him get after the quarterback. I mean, uh, Paris Harrelson's been playing pretty decently, but uh, at some point, maybe let Manny Law try that try that position out a little bit and and go for it. Uh, absolutely, and and then you know another another factor that we're seeing here is that it it, it would almost seem uh, like like Patrick Willis is having just maybe kind of an ordinary year. Yeah, I, I, I like to think he's playing extremely well, but you know I've heard rumblings about that. But part of the thing, whether you have whether you have a Dick Butkus or a Ray Nitschke uh, or, or or you know a Patrick Willis, whoever it is, you got to have defensive tackles that keep the linemen off of him. Yeah. And and I don't know that we're getting that play out of the middle of our line that can you know keep it so Patrick isn't occupied by offensive linemen. Yeah, and, and Willis is still putting up some amazing numbers this year. I think he's doing a a really good job and. I mean, teams are also trying to stay away from him and planning for him, whereas, sure, you know, last year absolutely. he came out of nowhere. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, put, having a guy like Spikes next to him makes, you know, great sense too. And if you could get another guy like Manny Lawson on there, every time he's on the field he does something, whether he's blocking a punt or, you know, intercepting a ball with his fingertips, uh, you know, that crazy interception on the weekend. It's uh, Yeah. He does good when he's on the field, so get him on the field more. Uh, you know. Get him on the field more, so you know if he's one of your two best players on defense, he should be on the field more. And if if Frank Gore is your best player on your team, I mean if he's your best offensive weapon, we just we just sincerely have to get the ball to him more. We can't just say this week after week after week. Yeah, if well, the ball has got to get in his hands, you know, to pass first down on the goal line, give it to Gore, and then pass again. You know, that, yeah, that's, it's completely predictable, and yeah. that's how you get 1.4 yards a carry. Yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely right. Now, the interesting thing is, is you know what happens at the end of the season. You know, would I would I love to see him win the rest of the games? Absolutely, I'd love to see some momentum going into next year. But I think we can all look at the schedule and see that it, it's going to be a pretty tough road to hoe. There's a couple of opportunities there to win, and we don't know what teams are going to be out of the race in the last game or two, but. You know, going into the draft next year, it'll be interesting to see, and I, and I hope they have their front office, you know, in line well before the draft, uh, and and with a plan. You know, so hopefully they're planning right now. But it will be interesting to see what direction they go with uh, with the draft. You know, personally myself, I, I think if uh, um, if this season has proven anything, it's the fact that. We have a very good backup quarterback. I think that's what Sean Hill is, and and I don't say that in a demeaning way. You know, mm-hmm. a backup quarterback is very, very important in the National Football League. Just so, ask the Patriots, right? Look, ask the Patriots, ask the Tennessee Titans, ask the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yep. You know that that had to go with uh, Johnson for a while there. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an important position. Now, does that mean that I would take a quarterback with our first pick in the draft? I, I'm not certain that as high as we're going to pick uh, next year that there's anybody worthy of a pick that high. And plus, I, I don't want to wait anymore. You know, I, I don't want to wait for a guy three or four years. You know, I, I would almost like to see them go out and get somebody, maybe a Derek Anderson from, from Cleveland or, or, or someone of, of that ilk. Or, uh, or, you know, there's the big rumblings on the radio here today in, in San Francisco on the sports talk station, KMBR 680, the sports leader, is um, what if Donovan McNabb came out here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he comes, becomes available, would the Niners make a run at him? And, and Matt and Castle's name is obviously being passed around a whole lot also. Matt Castle, uh, um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, of course, you know, speaking of New England, that's a team that's very near and dear to our hearts out here because of Tom Brady. Went to the same high school as my son right down mm-hmm. the street from where we live. And and so um, uh, wouldn't it be nice if they wanted to keep Castle and let Tom Brady? No, well, never mind. I, I, I shouldn't even bring that up. Um, <laughs> we can hope, but uh, I wouldn't <laughs> bet on it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, at, but I also hear that uh, Jeff Garcia might be available. You know, would would the uh, would the Yorks take him back? Uh, you know, it was an acrimonious uh, thing when when he left, and uh, you know, would they take him back? See, that's where I think uh, a general manager coming in there, uh, like a Holmgren or a Vermeil, could help smooth that kind of stuff over. What if what if things you know really go sour down in San Diego and North Turner gets fired and he wants to come back here to be the offensive coordinator? He lives in the in the Bay Area. This is where his roots are. Would I take him back? You bet. I I thought that's the best our offensive look in a long time. Yep, just Which, as long as he has a clause that he's not allowed to leave until well he retires from the NFL or something. You like know that. what? That is that that is such a great call, Brian. I I know that you can't do that from you know uh, there must be a Tap Hartley rule or something that says that you can't pin somebody down. But you'd almost have to with a wink and a nudge, yeah, you know, say to a guy, hey, look, we're going to sign you, we're going to pay you. Can you just give me your word that, that this is where you want to go uh, and this is where you want to stay and we're going to build something here? I mean, look at, you know, one of the things that, getting back to Bill Walsh again, you know, he had Bob McKittrick as his offensive line coach the whole time. Yeah. And if there's, if there's anybody that the 49ers really miss, Bob McKittrick uh, I, I had several conversations with, and, you know, he looked at offensive line and he said it's, it's a hip and a leg game. He wasn't interested in the real big top-heavy uh, guys, you know, he was interested in guys that could move and get their bulk out into another space along that offensive line to put them to work over there. And uh, and and look at the things he did with undersized lines. I mean, yeah, he is that, sorely, sorely missed. Oh God, yes, he is. Oh, and, and what a nice guy he was. He he was just a, a real sweetheart of a man. Yeah. Real sweetheart. But, uh, I I would almost like to see that the, the Niners. Um, you know, if if you want to just talk draft for a second, I mean, with all of their needs, I haven't really, uh, you know, gone into it heavily yet about pass rushers. But, you know, one of the things that I think they need is that hard-hitting safety. And, and there's a kid coming out of uh, SC, Trevor Mays, that, that would probably be there when we draft, which would be a nice addition there. Uh, I mean, that, that would be something they'd have to look at. And uh, if if we didn't go free agent quarterback, I could see going in the second round with a quarterback. But I could also see us taking a huge offensive lineman because I think, as good as I think Joe Staley is, I think if you move Joe to the right side and you got that real massive left tackle yeah. on the left side, now I think that really solidifies our line because it, now it means that you've got a guy like Adam Snyder who can back up at, all, at both guard and both tackle positions. Uh, 
um, and, and it gives you some depth there as well. Yeah, so, I, I think you need something. You need to do something about the short yard situations on both sides of the ball. Uh, absolutely, nose tackle and, and a pass rusher and a big offensive lineman who who can move around and and make, you know push the line a little bit. You you need that safety like you're talking about, and you need a quarterback. But the the sure. quarterback dilemma is really interesting. One of my uh, one of my writers on the site just put together a list of quarterbacks going uh, basically from 1992 to 2006. 54 quarterbacks were drafted out of the first round. And only four of them reach sort of a good status. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's no question. I mean, you could just. I mean, for every John Elway who was the first pick in the draft, or every Peyton Manning, or, or Eli Manning, you know, those those kinds of guys. Yeah. You know, there's there's fifty that get taken in the first round that don't do anything. Oh, sorry. That that's rounds two two rounds two through four. So fifty four were drafted rounds two through four. Sure. So, 54 drafted from rounds two through four. Right. And only well, four of them materialize. You know, if you go back to, the, to the, the greatest that ever played, Joe Montana, every team in the National Football League passed on him at least twice, Somebody, some of them three times, and we got him in round three. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady, the, the, the 49ers, uh, I, I think it was under the Carmen policy, uh, Eddie DeBartolo regime took um, – Giovanni Carmosi, yeah. it was a nice Italian name out of Austria, and and, and, and and passed on Tom Brady, who grew up going to Niner games. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's just, we've had his dad on our show. They're a delightful family. They're wonderful, and uh, he would have loved being a Niner. Yeah. It's, it's, what, nice. what we really need is a way to evaluate quarterbacks, because nobody has a clue. First round, second round, seventh round, free agent, nobody has a clue. Well, and then... Look, look, I, it's funny you should say that. I keep talking about these stories. I'm working on one now that's going to go up on the on the site. I've done some research, research about the free agents that have been signed since Nolan took over, and and not every free agent because you know like Ed Swanson that was signed as a free agent linebacker that everyone knew didn't have a chance. I mean, I didn't use people like that. I of course, more like the Nate here. Clements type guys. Right, or or you know even somebody that was brought here for a specific reason like. Uh, Chris Winkie was here to be the second or third quarterback. You know, those kinds of guys. And I assigned them all grades and gave us a grade point average. And I don't want to give it away here. I, I want people to go to hookedonthenineers.com and see this. It's incredible. That, that might be what we miss most about Bill Walsh is his, his ability to judge talent. And that's something getting back to it again. We're coming full circle uh, with Mike Holmgren and, and a guy like Dick Vermeil have. These guys are great judges of talent. Yeah. And, and you've got to have that. Judge of talent and have a plan. You know, we've just summed it all up, haven't we? We've talked for about 40 minutes, and son of a gun, if we just didn't finally find out what it is we were trying to say. Now, if we can just slip a copy of this over to the Yorks, right? <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's that's what we would have to do. But uh, hey, it's, it's been really fun, and I and I enjoy the uh, the association with your site, and uh, and and I hope we can. Uh, uh, you know, still work in the future, and uh, and and if you're ever out this way, uh, and and you want to go to a game or you want to come on the show, just let us know you're coming out. We'll take care of you. Absolutely, I really appreciate you being on the show, and you can definitely count on our support going forward. And and it's uh, it's been great so far. So we'll keep it up. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks again for being on the show. And, okay. Uh, it's 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 my pleasure, and and we'll leave it with Go Niners and watch that score four to nothing. 
<laughs> Thanks again. And all the fans out there, check out hookedontheniners.com. But the days of the 49ers had only just begun.